Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for the 13th installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on April 5th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Our topic for this chat is going to be an exploration of the Portal series. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who has been said has the voice that launched a thousand ships, Justin Sane 0516. Justin, what are your thoughts on the topic for tonight? Um, I'm really liking the sound bites I'm hearing. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm really interested to to see this gets games kind of always been on the periphery of, you know, like games I should play. It's, it's always been one I keep coming back to. So I might actually. So basically um, the measurement of success is if we get you to immediately go out and play it after the conversation. I think that will be it. Okay, cool. All right. Good to good to know. Well, we also have our resident Gunter extraordinaire, Green Eye Music Lover. Green, hope you're ready for the shenanigans. What are your thoughts on the oh, topic yeah. for tonight? You know, this was one of my favorite puzzle physics breaking games that came out. Oh, when, when did this guy come out? In like the late 1990s or whatever? Or is it the early 2000s? I think it was, I don't know. I don't know when it was early 2000s. Yeah, just so much fun to like completely disregard reality and physics and use wormholes constantly. (laughs) It was fun. Of course, for these topics, we always want to make sure that we have someone who is well versed in the lore and the overall game summaries. So and, you know, with a topic as crazy as this one, we wanted to make double sure. So we got two. First up, I wanted to welcome back InfraMage. Mage, how is everything going for you tonight? Uh, it's going okay so far. Good, good. Can you let us know where people can find you and what got you into the Portal series? On Twitter, um, at InfraMage. Um, and uh, as far as the Portal series, I... I don't know. I think I just randomly downloaded the first game one time and I just got sucked in. Just the crazy started the game and suddenly this computer was talking to me and I had to beat it. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Our second guest co-host tonight is our good friend DJ Cantrip. DJ, how are things going for you tonight? Uh, going pretty well. Good, going good. Pretty well, what about what about you? Where can we find you? And what got you into the Portal <laughs> series? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, DJ underscore Cantrip. That's K A N T R I P, and no, it is not Catnip, uh, as has been <laughs> misinterpreted by many people. Um, and uh, what got me into Portal was I first person shooters i got into fallout 3 i beat it and i wanted something a little bit more and everyone in my geeky friend community was going nuts over all the references from portal so i was like i have to play this so i bought it and you know four hours later i was on my like second playthrough of it and i just <laughs> yeah sense, so <clears throat> well let's run through the intro real quick and then we'll jump into the conversation 
Before we start off the chat, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last XLR episode, we discussed the Kingdom Hearts series. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. We try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation the first Wednesday of each month. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on Dungeons and Dragons, Forgotten Realms to be specific, so be sure to jump into Discord and weigh in on that conversation. With that, Mage, would you kindly start us off with a general summary on the information that we have about the Portal series? Okay, general summary. Uh, well... I mean, I guess the Portal series is, uh, in a nutshell, it's a sci-fi puzzle game uh, sort of thing. Um, There's mobility challenges, uh, high-energy gamma-leaking teleportation technology, human test subjects, and cake. (laughs) Debatable on the last part. Cake's alive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get so much grief from Damo for that. Cake is a dirty lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, actually how Blue got me to come on tonight. He well, yeah, I, just, I, I told him there was going to be cake. cake. And then, you know, he asked where things were, and I told him we have to go do some experiments first. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to like this, am I? <laughs> no. <laughs> this Especially when you find out what's really going on inside the boxes. <laughs> Oh, no, why? You already <laughs> broke me. Oh, poor, poor companion <laughs> cubes. Um, yeah, so, like, basically, you know, with Portal, uh, it the way I got it was <clears throat> it was part of the orange box uh, when I got it on the 360, if I remember right. Um, and I think that was back in, what, 2007, uh, I think? Right? I want to say, yeah, the orange box came out in 2007 for Xbox 360. And that's where I got it because I was playing Half-Life at the time and then got Portal for free basically with it. And that's kind of how I figured out about Portal. But um, yeah, so Portal, Portal, I don't, man, there is so much like randomness on Portal. It's really hard to kind of, kind of dive in. Uh, one of the first things that we get introduced to in Portal is obviously the player character, which actually, if I remember correctly, we didn't even get a name for the player correct or character um, until Portal 2, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. I don't... It was a little earlier than that, but she wasn't actually officially branded with that name until Portal 2. Okay, okay. So was there a, was there a, re- was there a reference? 
2 or in um, Portal 1 you, or you either played uh still alive oh, okay. or okay. if you played there if you played through the core game enough times it eventually unlocked a developer oh, there would be okay. these loading notes and you'd get the developer notes and it's at that point they said okay well our idea with shell was oh that's right so okay okay so yeah and like and like mage was saying you know it's a first person i'm going to use air quotes here shooter basically because you get what's called the portal gun um but the the whole thing is it's basically a physics challenge or a series of physics challenge puzzles in which you have to use this portal gun to basically get through rooms in order in order to appease the homicidal demands of artificial intelligence called GLaDOS. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that she's homicidal. <laughs> and then we have the GLaDOS apologist over here. <laughs> He does mention about talk, taking up hobbies like cloning. No, I mean you gotta you gotta busy yourself somehow. <laughs> somehow. Yeah, but I mean, so like, let's talk about let's talk about Glados just a bit. Like Glados, <clears throat> so Glados is, um, and for you, I think you said you had you knew what Glados stood for, right? Uh, I had it written down somewhere, and it is the genetic life form and disk operating system. Okay, so it is it is an acronym, um, and then so basically, Glados is. I mean, geez, it's become um, a huge part of pop culture. I mean, Glados can be. I think there was uh, wasn't there a apple commercial where glados took over an iphone for siri or something or no there was a someone was making fun of siri they made a glados parody of it which is absolutely hilarious um and she spends the entire time insulting you which is what she does pretty much in the game is you know just constant digs at the character um she is like we said she is artificially intelligent um so basically she was created do that was in was that the Ratman comics that explained what she was created for, or the Lab Rat? Um, Lab Rat clarified what she did and okay. kind of gave us an overall timeline. We don't actually get an idea of why she was created until Portal Two. Okay, okay, okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Because Lab Rat's where she gets a hold of the neurotoxin, or they give her the narrow which is kind of a weird story as well um god yes <laughs> and so the thing with glados is at first in in the first game she predominantly really just appears as a kind of a voice off the screen right she's just kind of this like non-corporeal voice that is guiding the player um you know increasingly you helpful instructions oh okay yeah that Federal regulations require me to tell you that the next room is very attractive. <laughs> um, I love GLaDOS quips. Uh, but yeah, so like, and then like, as the game goes, you know, further and further and further, um, 
she becomes she be, she starts getting a little bit more malicious, a little bit more hostile, you know. Um <clears throat> let's see. Do you want to talk at all about like kind of the inspiration or do you guys have you guys want to chime in on anything about particularly that you guys know any trivia about GLaDOS? Um Pardon. Thing that was really kind of interesting early on, and this got brought up, like, because Portal's one of those games that was very, it was, it was a sleeper, mm-hmm. and it literally, like, once the geek community got their hands on it and played it until they couldn't play it anymore, of course, kind of like Destiny, we start to dig deep into the lore of it, and one of the things that someone pointed out was that Glados's uh, frame. If you invert it, it looks very similar to uh, the Venus de Milo, the outline of the Venus de Milo. Um, and then another interpretation of it is that she is a woman. It, it shows a female form in a uh, bondage, kind of like in suspended bondage state, um, which actually does play very deep into, makes her more of a sympathetic villain or antagonist. I don't want Demo to jump on my case here. So... Um, <laughs> Okay, so first of all, you're in a safe place. Damo's not the boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. Second um, off, Damo is not here. So <laughs> Yeah. You're you're fine. <laughs> we have we really. have we have Justin on Damo lookout duty. We have Damo yeah. lookout duty. Well, that is actually one of those things, is that she is uh she is a female form suspended upside down. Yeah, I can totally see that now that now, as soon as you said that, um the the wiki, the portal wiki has a picture of her appearance in Portal Two, and as soon as you said that, that's ex- I mean, I can totally see that being the case. And yeah, you're right. That does actually explain quite a bit about you know her personality too. And it's definitely that that's especially noticeable in Portal Two when um, another AI kind of takes over the form. And he looks completely different in that shell than she does. Like he, look, I don't know. He, he's very masculine and oh, tentacly. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, Gladys is definitely this upside down female. Are you talking about when uh, Wheatley takes over? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The the moron yeah. designed to be a moron. Okay, well, no, go for it, Green. What's up? Uh, One of the things that I, when you were talking about how it was kind of a sleeper game, is a game that you, looking at it, you wouldn't think it would be much. It's just another puzzle game. But what kind of was endearing about the whole thing is that you've kind of not necessarily fallen in love with the character of Gladys because everyone pretty much does because you both loathe her and love her because mm-hmm. of lines like fantastic you remain resolute and resourceful in an atmosphere of extreme pessimism <laughs> I mean, there's such great writing for this character and you don't know that from any of the preview clips or anything like that so it makes sense that it was a sleeper game but once uh, everyone kind of got a hold of it they were like oh my god this is amazing and then we get games like Borderlands where people just push that boundary even further of these sarcastic, funny characters. It's good times. Yeah, and At I know, least that's the reason I loved it. I know GLaDOS has been... It's, um, 
GLaDOS is actually considered to be one of the greatest video game characters, uh, particularly among those created in the 2000s by, I mean, it's on the, on the wiki page, it's got a list of all these, these publications that have listed her, um, and given that particular character awards for being best new game character in 2007. I mean, you got GameSpy, GamePro, XPlay, IGN, Game Informer, you know, it, it just keeps going on. Um, IGN and Game Informer go on to actually list her as an all-time greatest video game villain, uh, and they actually ranked GLaDOS as first. So, uh, DJ, I know you had something. Um, and it's, well, I mean, it's also telling to show how Valve even recognized how iconic she had become, because any game, play game, if it's a recurring villain, you know, they don't, ever show it they never mention it you just kind of assume because of the franchise x character if it's zelda you know ganon's coming back if Mm -hmm. it's um i can't think of another franchise off the top of my head right now but if it's something like that you know it Uh, valve went out of their way and one of the teaser trailers is the wake-up scene from portal 2 this whole sinister probably one of the most sinister speeches i've ever heard of uh antagonists give as frontline advertising for the for the game, so and that was just really kind of telling of them going, yeah, we know what we have, we know exactly what we have. Well, and you know, going going into the um, going into Glados just a little bit more, you know, she like we've like we've said, and like most people know, Glados is a artificial intelligence, which means that she is she's got different aspects and these are called in the game these are identified i think if i'm remember this right as the personality cores um i think glados glados the the entity glados is a personality core right like she is a her own core mage i know you kind of had a little bit on that right um she was kind of designed as this primary personality core while there are several other that were maybe developed as like add-ons to that main frame of Gladys. Okay. And then, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you have here, I think you have morality, curiosity, uh, cake mix, the intelligence core, um, and anger core, were the ones in Portal 1 and then Portal 2, I think. Ah, yes, there it is. Space Core, uh, Adventure Core, Fact Core, Fact Core, not Fat Core. Um, And then, of course, Wheatley, who is kind of of a big big player in Portal 2. Um, And so that kind of, you know, that gives us a, I guess, a composite view of what kind of goes into GLaDOS and what kind of... Well, in GLaDOS is her own core that is the predominant core, correct? Is that is that right, Mage? Right. She okay. was definitely... She was kind of the narcissist. The primary, primary. functioning one. Okay. Um, I don't know about narcissistic. <laughs> arguably. We, we, okay, anyways. Uh, <laughs> So, so, I mean, in this, in this kind of, you know, let's take a step, you know, a little bit back, you know, GLaDOS is only one aspect of the overall game world. Um, you know, we have Aperture, which is the facility that we are kind of in slash 
living there. It's not really kind of do do we know, you know, DJ or Mage, do we know how we got into the facility? Do we know what what the story kind of leading up to that is? DJ, I know you kind of Well, we really don't know. That's that's where a lot of the fan theories come in. Um in uh, some like and that's one of the the things about GLaDOS's interactions with you is she she takes profound joy in tormenting you with like at least three or four different possible origins for your existence. You're an android, you're a clone. Um You're adopted and the old you're fat and abandoned. You're fat and abandoned. Um I'm sorry. Oh, somehow in a suspended rude. animation we managed to pack on some pounds. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That plate is not was not equipped to, to deal with your generousness. Oh the, the only thing we know about Shell is that she was present at Aperture for the bring your wa- for the first and only bring your daughter to work day because when you're in that part of the game when you've managed to get yourself back into that part of the lab you'll notice that there's a science fair and uh, Wheatley kind of offhandedly mentions that they brought in all these kids to that all just did like potato batteries <laughs> and you find one that's a massively overgrown potato battery and it has Shell's name written on a post-it that's barely hanging on we just know that she was in Aperture when GLaDOS kind of um, got permission to do the Schrodinger experiment, and that's about all we know. So we, we have no idea how we came to be in this place. We have no idea who we are or what we are. So is it safe to assume we have absolutely no idea who built GLaDOS and the facility? <laughs> We do know that. We do know that. I mean, really, in the first game, I mean, I think she does tell us that it's the Aperture Science Enrichment Center. Uh, but beyond that, as far as the first game goes, we don't have a whole lot of... Okay. But not a whole lot on who actually built it. You kind of get that at the end Is of it- the second one, don't you? Yeah, like we do. What the, the it's not oh, like yes. the uh, it's not the old narrative of there being some sinister corporation or something uh, <laughs> kind of okay let's well you 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 want to talk about no I don't know the companion cubes sure oh my god did I just aid in a segue yes good job hang on oh, hang on <laughs> yeah Lego clap Mute, mute your desktop, Blue. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Curse you, Twitch dashboard. Um, let's see. Companion cubes. I'm not even sure if I remember where we found out about what the companion cubes were. Was that in Portal 2 or was that in one of the um, side games? Was, wasn't it a fan theory? For a long time, of like what was in the uh, the cubes, I feel like it must be a fan theory because I don't know what you're talking about, but I feel like what you're suggesting is a little outrageous for Gladys. (laughs) Absolutely, 
awesome person that she is. We have a GLaDOS fanboy sighting. Apologist. It's okay. I prefer fanboy. Um. Oh, man. So what we do. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, okay. I'm just going to shoot out the theory that I remember hearing about, like, what's in the cubes. Uh, At the end of Portal 2, you kind of find out, spoiler alert for a game that's super old at this point, um, that this corporation, this whole thing is pretty much destroyed and she's just been torturing you with nobody else around. Nobody else knows what the experiments are going on and Shell's just kind of there. And you, the theory that I remember hearing about is that everybody who used to work at the corporation is now inside of the companion cubes as like mince meat. It was a really grotesque version of it, but that's what I remember reading about and went, Ooh, okay. Yeah, because there was there was a comment because there there's a comment that Glados does make about the companion cubes. I think it's in the first one where she says that unfortunately they must be euthanized at an emergency intelligence incinerator. So, <laughs> huh? <laughs> the I companion mean, but, cubes. So I mean, but I mean, I so I feel like also in in lab rat the the comic that kind of yeah that's what i was about to say is because standing between portal one and portal two i mean i mean the the narrator in that is at aperture who is diagnosed with schizophrenia and thing and carries around this weighted companion cube but wasn't it a hallucination it was okay and I feel like Gladys's experience with Ratman and his connection with the weighted companion cube is kind of informing her uh, okay. uh, her experience as to how she's interacting with other human test subjects. So you think that her I she, feel like she took a page MP, out of Ratman's um, psychosis, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel like she's not as evil as y'all are thinking. That's, <laughs> that's crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> to take a stance opposite the fanboy <laughs> because I'm going to take the stance of science and that is she saw Ratman's schizophrenia and the relationship that he created with the cube and thought that's something I could do to a test subject and see where that goes well then we and get into so the she semantics kind of, of like good a and evil situ- Yeah, yeah. She, she kind of gets into like a Winston situation. It almost feels like she's creating that that personality for you to project on it. But do we so do we get the sense two. that that Glados is working within the framework of programming still, or that she to to assign gender is um has transcended that in this kind of um, you know, winging it. Well, I I think part of that um, is kind of something that progresses and changes as you go through this series. Because, um, I mean, early on, she's not as as mean as people seem to think that she is. Yeah, she... And she definitely does seem sassier as you go on. But then... <laughs> As the player character, you're also damaging her personality cores and <laughs> affecting her. So I think she has a right to be. I mean, 
she has a right to be a little more rude, but also you, like, there's some of that programming is coming away. I just found a really oh. interesting quote from uh, one of the programmers for Portal. Uh, I think it's Jeep Barnett back in 2008 noted that players have told Valve that they had found it more emotional to incinerate the weighted companion cube than to harm one of the little sisters from Bioshock. Wow. And just to mess with you, the moment you drop it into one of them, you, no great. matter what console you play it on, no matter if you play it on PC, you unlock an achievement that says fratricide. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. So there's a big clue right there, isn't it? Well, and then, so, like, well, then... Were... No, go for it, go for it. Oh, I, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean... Companion that was accompanying you through this test chamber. Mm-hmm. That sounds like fratricide, whether or not it's an actual real person. And there's well, a there's I'm a, just saying fratricide is is uh the killing of your brother, correct? Right. Yeah. Yep. So, so it, it almost implies that the contents of the companion cube and you have a common origin, if we're gonna go like super literal. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a connection too that was made um, from the project lead. Uh, let me see where did I put that? It is right here. It says the weighted companion cube inspiration was from project lead Kim Swift, with additional input from Wolpal uh, from reading some quote declassified government interrogation thing end quote, whereby quote isolation leads subjects to begin to attach the inanimate objects end quote. And um, I guess apparently they they had a long level called Box Marathon, and they wanted to player they wanted players to bring this box with them from the beginning to the end, but people would forget about the box. So we added dialogue, applied the heart to the cube, and continued to up the ante until people became attached to the box. Later on, we added the incineration idea. The artistic expression grew from the gameplay. So DJ would. It's, it's, uh, uh, I don't know. Are we going to, can I go a little further with the companion cube storyline? Cause it actually does kind of have a slight storyline. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Go for yeah. it. Okay. So, so the funny thing is, is we do incinerate the companion cube and it, it's not until we actually break away from the test chamber in test chamber 19 that we see GLaDOS's full maliciousness come out. Um, in which case <laughs> that's where, that's where it becomes a com- apparent that the companion cube is actually more of a greater psychological experiment of sorts because she starts talking to you about how you have no friends except for companion cube who you killed and then later starts trying to placate you saying well look we have cake here and oh your friend companion cube is here too um when you first wake her up um she starts really trying to psychologically dress you down and, and attack you at almost every or she can and there's when you get to the one room that does have a companion cube in it she just keeps dropping it in front of like one of the uh the what is the official branding for it hang on a second here she keeps dropping the cube in front of the thermal discouragement beams and destroying it going oh we just have a warehouse full of these things <laughs> <laughs> the discouragement beam i forgot about that. super dark super creepy we actually do get a happy ending of sorts um, because as we finish Portal 2 and 
GLaDOS decides that she is done with us. Uh, the door slams on us and then opens one more time to reveal a horribly battered and scarred and scorched companion cube, which just leads you to believe, like, wait, what? <laughs> so it's we still, still don't know if this thing is alive. We still don't. <laughs> but it is. All I know, it is all still we know alive. Is that, all we know is that Shell is wandering around the Half-Life 2 universe with this beaten-up companion cube at this point. Is it is it safe to say that the companion cubes are many? <laughs> And that they are, they are legion. Trying to think of, they are manifolds, so to speak. <laughs> like know. you know what I mean? That's they're kind of interchangeable. Or uh, are yeah, they to a degree. Because at the end of Portal, unique. At the end of Portal, with the what is it? The Black Force Cake that goes through the the warehouse of all the all the companion cubes. Oh yeah, there's definitely whole rooms full of these companion cubes with little hearts on them. Green, I know you had something. Oh, I'm just I'm looking up all these different quotes from Gladys. Oh, okay. And one of them, just some of them are really, really good. So, like this one is uh, going back to whether or not the companion cube is something nefarious or not. And quote: Crushing's too good for him. First, he'll spend a year in the incinerator. Year two, cryogenic refrigeration wing. Then ten years in the chamber I built where all the robots where all the robots scream at you, then I'll kill him. So, I mean, she says this in uh, the first game, even. I think it's like chapter, it was, it's chapter 9. It's, I think or, it was Portal 2, actually. Yeah, second game, Wheatley. It's after the Wheatley test chambers and everything. But, yeah, some pretty creepy, dark, fun stuff in there. Oh, well, she's a potato. So she's a little bit. Okay, so there's... A little bitter. Do you want to explain... Let's explain the potato. Because <laughs> it's a huge joke, but I don't... If you haven't played Portal 2, then you probably don't, you know, understand at all the joke. So, Mage, do you want to explain it? Or DJ, one of you want to... Yeah, DJ, um, go for it. Okay, so... And this is actually one of those pieces of brilliant writing. Uh, when you start Portal 2 and you start going through the busted facility before you wake up GLaDOS, um, there's an automated system that starts spouting these random facts and playing soft jazz at you. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes, soft jazz. Yes. You're about, to, you're about to face uncertain death. Here's some soft jazz. Precisely. <laughs> but, but they mentioned that, that, the, um, that because of their importance to running the facility because of how the personality cores operate and what they do. Um, that person, uh, aperture science personality cores can operate at a minimum of a potato battery can generate. It just happened to be that way. And, uh, when you hit act two of the game, which is where Wheatley effectively replaces GLaDOS and he starts to go, he starts to go insane. Um, GLaDOS ends up getting installed into a potato. Uh, in which case, you then have to find her, rescue her, stick her on your portal gun, and wander through the old facilities with her. Her sarcasm and scheming protocols take up a lot more power than the potato can provide. So she'll shut down randomly if she starts to be mean at you, and it's hilarious. And she also hates birds. 
Oh gosh, you hate the birds. You actually find her in a bird's nest. I was about to say, what, was, uh, yeah. And have to save her from a. Well, you scare the bird away to retrieve her. <laughs> but the but the potato thing actually pr- pr- provides a very interesting at like it unveils a very massive aspect of the glados system itself um i don't know if we want to go into who we discover glados actually is at this point but we discover uh because she starts to get a little nicer Mm -hmm. potato form one because she's exhausted and two like feeling bad that you know like you're in this together now you kind of have to save the facility when you get back up there, you notice that Wheatley is starting to do the same things that GLaDOS is doing, just badly, because he's a moron. <laughs> he's not just a moron. He was designed to be a moron. Well, and Mage, I think we I think we had a small chat about that. What didn't didn't you have a connection with Wheatley? And like how he was designed specifically to be the subconscious of GLaDOS? I mean, psychologically speaking. I mean, Wheatley is the complete antithesis of what GLaDOS is meant to be. I mean, GLaDOS is is smart and intends to do science, and (laughs) Wheatley was made to make every bad decision Uh possible (laughs) and just continuously come up with bad ideas. But still tries to test them, right? He does. He does does try. In the name of science! Well, and that's the funny thing, is that's where the even darker part of it that makes GLaDOS and Weekly sympathetic is. Is plugged into the GLaDOS system. Mm -hmm. Is there's a addiction that is hardwired, and Weekly even brings this up, that every time you complete a test, he kind of gets a buzz. He gets a little high. course has had years and years and years of like psychological resistance to this so she's just like she's all about science because when we learn who she is we understand her dedication to the aperture Wheatley doesn't know so he starts going off like some drug addict trying to run you through every test he can so he can get high um correlation between an ai becoming more vindictive and vengeful when they're plugged into the core system Well, and then also with uh, Portal Two, uh, wasn't the malicious the maliciousness or the addiction to science? If you want to go Mage's defense, um, uh, Portal Two, she was reactivated, and like the explanation for why she was so much darker in Portal Two was because the backup system had like forced her to live on repeat. Oh yes, her death she, like, over and over and over and over and over. So like she basically she, tortured. She says that as soon as she woke up, and I mean, I guess in the game we don't really know how long it's been, but the you know maybe it was confirmed outside of game that it was somewhere around fifty thousand years, a hundred something years. I think it was confirmed. Uh, yeah. So she spent a long time basically reliving her last moments over and over again. Right, it's like a cookie from Black Mirror. Yeah. And look, we all said a lot of things that you're going to regret. <laughs> <laughs> you monster. 
let's see. So that's that's kind of the portal facility. Um, let's see. We talked about Glados. We talked the enrichment center. The enrichment. You are, the you are enriched center, yeah. by being part of the experiments. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think I found my favorite line. Okay, you ready for this? Green. <laughs> Here we go. If you're wondering what that smell is, that is the smell of human fear. It's like yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Smell of teen spirit. That's the quote. <laughs> the quote that you put in chat. You know what my days used to be like? I just tested. Nobody murdered me, or put me in potato, or fed me to birds. I had a pretty good life. <laughs> Right, Gladys was a nice person until you came along. Well, and then that, well, you know, kind of like talking about the encouragement to test in Portal Two. That's where we kind of get introduced to, I think, is it uh, Peabody and Atlas? Right? Atlas. Yes. Yes. And that they were kind of designed because she basically kicks Shell out. And it's like I'm done. You keep killing me, or you keep breaking stuff. And so then she she basically were they were they turrets or were they cores? They were both. Okay, one they was were a both. turret core. One was a personality core. Okay, okay. Um, and they were basically that was the explanation in Portal Two for the multiplayer, as well as kind of a a way for Glados to continue testing. Is that is that a correct statement? I uh, yes. I look up like one of her quotes from it because it she I think she even puts out like one of the darkest quotes in regards to like that um, the the multiplayer about the robots. I'm trying to find it now though. And the multi okay, so the I'm so bad about remembering these guys. It's orange and blue that are the test subjects in that mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's Peabody and Atlas. Uh, okay, he. Peabody is orange and Atlas is blue, I think. I want to say. Okay. I mean, he got a 50-50 shot. Yeah, I know. I was like, I'm good. like, ah, it's either that way or I flipped them. You know, it doesn't, they're, I don't 50/50. think their colors aren't like super. But what was, what was the quote? Uh, the quote was, again, these are science collaboration points, which you should not confuse with points from competition such as who gets to live at the end and who doesn't. I mean, basketball. I mean, basketball. I love that. <laughs> God, that sounds like a conversation we had on the podcast just a little bit ago. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, so it's just super interesting seeing some of these lines that are written by these these AI type characters. They're very much so humanized with a lot of issues. I can't bite my tongue anymore. You could solve this pa- puzzle faster on your own. Orange is dragging you down. There, I've said it. I mean, literally pitting you against the other person. Which is funny because if you watch the ad, and this was another brilliant part of. Um, ad campaign for it was they put out two separate types of ads they put out the one that was the uh glados waking up and then they put out a bunch of fake 
ads where Cave Johnson, the founder of Aperture Science, has narrated them. Um, but one of them was GLaDOS basically like encouraging the robots, like seeing like you are better than humans. You've got there. You, you can do this. You're teammates. And she goes, and you better not disappoint me. <laughs> you could die. Like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to screw this up. Man. <laughs> I never played any of these extra ones. That's awesome. The the um, perpetual testing initiative had the best, in my opinion, just because it went. Oh, even. that's right. Because that's where the cooperative, cooperative testing initiative uh, in the final phases, GLaDOS reveals that while the CTI had its uses, she needed human testing for science, not robots. And that's where you found out that the humans were kind of locked away deep within the bowels of the aperture facilities. What? Uh, so, like, if you look up... I, I'm trying to remember where you... Oh, no, this was this was the cooperative testing initiative, which was the co-op player, um, which I think for the Xbox was... Portal 2's um oh what was it the uh I can't remember it was it was basically the I think that's the port over to the Xbox One I want to say but anyways in the biography of Atlas on the Portal Wiki there's a paragraph where it says quote during the final phases of testing GLaDOS reveals that while the cooperative testing initiative has its uses she needs human testing for science not robots GLaDOS reveals that there are humans locked away deep within the ancient Aperture facilities. There, the bots will be tasked with navigating the old test chambers and unlocking the massive vault containing the humans seemingly kept in place by some form of cryogenic storage. By doing this, they, quote, save science, end quote. However, almost immediately after the robots unlock the room containing the test subjects, they are destroyed. They are eventually rebuilt, and during the credits, Atlas sits at a computer desk and watches Peabody playing on a conveyor belt, end quote. So I think that that was kind of how they incorporated the um, the co-op play into the game for Portal 2. But I think it also kind of talks about how GLaDOS or the uh, the the buzz that the the GLaDOS system gets from testing, I think, can only be given by humans by testing on humans. So is it fair to say that we are the Pavlov's dogs version for we GLaDOS? Are, we are the bell yeah. for GLaDOS. GLaDOS is the dog and we're the bell. No, I think GLaDOS is the bell huh? and the dog. No. We're the food. No, because GLaDOS the is the one that's yeah, she's the one that's actually getting the buzz out of it. We don't get anything but, but out she's of it not besides being conditioned, just right? she is being conditioned. She is. That's what yeah, that's, on, I mean. It. It's the same thing as the rat pushing the bar. Right. Looking you know, the... actually, I think the rat pushing the bar would be a better example of that particular condition. Probably method. because the so like there, there was a scientific experiment in which they had a rat and every time he pushed a little bar, he would get either food or something pleasurable for him. Um, and then what they started doing was they started alternating when he pressed the bar, sometimes it wouldn't. And they just like kind of watch and the rat would just sit there 
and literally keep pushing the bar. Um, and that's what GLaDOS is doing. The bar that she's pushing is testing on humans, and the pleasurable response is what she's getting out of it. Um, and so basically the explanation that I'm understanding this to say is that when she decided that she was going to cheat the system and test on robots instead of humans, they, she found out basically that the testing on robots did not reward her the same way that testing on humans did. Um, I, I think that metaphor still works on multiple levels though. Right. right I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Chell or the player character is still running through test chambers for a certain reward, whether that be freedom or cake or the victory candescence. Um, but <laughs> I mean, she's Gladys is still the scientist, even right. though she's she is the, for her own reward. she is the scientist that is caught within its own experiment. It's a rather meta concept as far as game goes because it's literally kind of the idea that science and experimentation even the the gaining of knowledge from the experimentation is a good thing it can it can be a dark thing at the same time and you just kind of get to see it from a different perspective as the test subject as shell we constantly experiment on other things yet this is the one where we're being experimented on Absolutely. And then, like, rather than real life where, like, the reward is publication or whatever, I mean, in this case, it's a computer getting some jollies out of it. And, you know, ultimately, we are supposed to assume the party escort submission position. Absolutely. Every time. <laughs> Towards the victory incandescence. <laughs> Towards the <laughs> Basically, if you like really odd sense of humor, <laughs> you need to play the game because it's full of it. Um, do you guys want to talk about the connection to Half-Life? Because I know that was kind of a question that we had in the chat. Um, and <laughs> there, there is kind of even a joke running throughout. I think it was GLaDOS that made the joke, right? Because the copyright theft. DJ. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that gets that's that gets into where the, um, a little bit of the history of Aperture Science. Um, if anyone's familiar with the game series Half Life, uh, you play the silent protagonist uh, Gordon Freeman, uh, who's basically trying to get out of a science facility that has accidentally opened up a portal where an aggressive alien race has come out. Um, and it is, it is the, to say the least. Um, and the reason Portal and Half-Life were connected was because Portal was built as an experiment. You know, to kind of I break fourth wall for a second. Portal, the game, was built as an experiment by a bunch of uh, game devs or science students. I can't remember which. Um, and Valve loved it so much, the Flash version of the game they came up with, using the Half-Life elements, um, that they just uh, ran with it. Um, they kind of... Uh, and so that meant they had to somehow tie it in. And the 
actual connection that we get with Aperture, the first mention we ever get of Aperture, is at the very end of Half-Life 2 Part 3, where they find that there's technology on a ship somewhere to the north, and then they happen to see this ocean liner, or this uh, oil tanker, uh, embedded in an iceberg, and it has Aperture written across the side. Um, and that's where, if you have the orange box, it starts to click in your head, if you're one of those people who caught it. Like, so Aperture and Half-Life are occurring in the same universe. Um, the stuff going on with Aperture got overshadowed because of, well, alien invasion. Um, but that is something that comes up, is the founder, Cave Johnson, is constantly talking about how Black Mesa is stealing their ideas. That that gets into why when you're going through the game, everything is referred to as the Aperture Science XYZ. Because they had to lock down the copywriting so tightly. Right. And then that also explained why the whole uh incident with bring your daughter to work day and at Aperture everyone died and no one really paid attention is because you know Black Mesa was basically being invaded and so the world was kind of a little preoccupied with that whole event so since I never played Half-Life oh my gosh go fix this what (laughs) what was Black Mesa doing Black Mesa was basically (laughs) DJ you want to take this Um, no go ahead because I'm, I'm trying to look through the other notes here. Okay, so Black Mesa was pretty much like, they they were kind of similar to Aperture in the sense that, I mean, obviously they were major competitors, so they were in the same line of business. And I can't remember the exact experiment that they were doing, but basically what happened at Black Mesa was they punched a hole in reality, if I'm remembering that correctly, and it opened a portal in which they basically opened up to being invaded. Uh, which is where Freeman comes in because Freeman was basically the, uh, I mean, he was the protagonist, so he was the hero, but he was also very largely a scientist. That's where, um, you know, in this game, in Valve games, you play a lot of silent protagonists. Uh, And so Gordon Freeman was the silent protagonist for the Half-Life series. And, you're basically tasked with trying to figure out what's going on and then how to rectify the situation so that the world doesn't get basically destroyed and taken over, which eh, kind of doesn't work out that great. Um, because that's where, you know, Half-Life Half 2. Yeah, that's where Half-Life 2 comes in. Um, is you basically, you're not able to get it completely shut down um, and the world does get invaded anyways. And then you, I think, what is it? Half-Life 2 Part 1 and 2? Did they did they yeah. ever come out with Part 3? No, Half-Life 3 is one of those pipe dreams we shall never see. No, 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 before. but Half-Life Part... Half-Life 2 Part 1, and then there was a Half-Life 2 Part 2. Did we have a Part 3 for Half-Life? No. Okay. No, that's the fabled Half-Life 3 is... They, they've jokingly said that Half-Life 2 Part 3 is Half-Life 3. Yeah. Oh, that's because. right, because it was supposed... Yeah, 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 okay. Um, but yeah, so Half-Life uh, is the same kind of concept. It's a pit, uh, puzzle-based first-person shooter game. 
um, amazing series. I I'm I absolutely love playing it. I am not as super well versed in the lore of that particular series, um, mostly because I was just playing with the gravity gun when I play Half Life. As soon as I get the gravity gun, I pretty much shut off my brain and I'm just starting to I just run around and shoot things with the gravity gun. Um, and that's that's actually like one of the first. And that's like I think the actual only instance we have of any form of proof that Black yes. Mesa might have been hijacking some of Aperture's ideas because the portal gun does come in built comes built in with like kind of a a low a low uh, short range uh, anti gravity field to lift up stuff with, whereas the gravity gun is a little bit more powerful. But they both look very similar. They both mm-hmm. look very similar. Yeah, gravity well, gun. It sounds like they were both working on portals. Yes. Yeah. 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 So the just given my kind of rudimentary understanding of how a portal may work, a portal gun would have to at its very heart be a gravity gun. Yes. Yes. Ish. Well, yeah. And that's kind of the, yeah, that's kind of the thing is like, okay, so it would um, take a lot of gravity to create a portal is is what, what I'm getting at. You have to create wormholes. So this is where I actually do know something. The physics side of it. Yay, um, green. Yay, <laughs> I know something. So what the portals do is basically if you took a piece of paper and put two dots on opposite sides of the paper, instead of like taking a pencil and drawing a line from that dot to the dot, you're basically folding space-time in half with each of those dots to jump and cut through the paper as if you're going through it. So you have to create a wormhole um, it does bend gravity because of it, but at the same time, it's not necessarily just a gravity gun. It has to actually create so much um, negative matter, negative mass, to actually create the wormhole in that instance. So it's kind of an anti-matter or anti-mass gun. Anyway, science okay. science lesson over. A lot more complicated stuff. Okay, so I looked up real quick Black Mesa incident. Um, uh, To go back over that, basically what happens is, yes, they are all trying to... um, They are all trying to kind of mess around with teleportation and experimental weapons research. Uh, And it's not actually until the Half-Life 2 Episode 2 that one of the characters in Half-Life, which is known as the G-Man, references the entire incident at the beginning of Half-Life. So, and this is where it kind of comes in full circle and everything gets connected for the Half-Life series. Um, At the beginning of Half-Life, there is some experimentation going on in the underground laboratories of Black Mesa in which they basically are experimenting on teleportation and they actually find a border dimension. Uh, this border dimension is an alternate dimension that is named Zen. Uh, and it's actually the home of a race called the Vortignauts. And these are really annoying people that should just all die. Um, and so then what happens is they That's actually... Kind of racist. Yeah, well, they kind of feel the same way about us. Um, they, um, they then actually secure a portal to or yeah secure a portal to zen and go into zen 
and actually bring back creatures and some crystals. Uh, one of which they start testing on, and when they put it into an anti-mass spectrometer, it creates what's called a resonance cascade and rips the space-time continuum, uh, which then all these creatures are teleported into the Black Mesa facility and start just pretty much going to town, eating everybody. Um, And that's where Gordon Freeman comes in, because then he has to kind of you know, fix this, fix this whole situation. Um, and then that's where he also kind of gets the renown that is later experienced by you in like half-life two. And the, the subsequent game was because he is like one of the only, I think he is the only survivor of the black Mesa. No, he's not the only survivor. He was just one who got out alive. Well, I mean a free, he's the only person who, didn't end up enslaved oh that's right that's right that's right yeah okay so yeah that's where his kind of infamy comes from is his his actions at black mesa lead to his building of this like infamous name of the leader of kind of the resistance um which goes into the whole half-life 2 storyline but yeah so um there is also uh i guess there's a mention in random mention in portal themed levels of Lego dimensions where your characters, when you play shell and Wheatley, you discover a hidden storage room and aperture that contains various crates and boxes that were stolen from black Mesa. So yeah, there's, there's a bit of rivalry going on between the two portal two, You also come across a whole trophy case where Aperture was winning all of these awards, and then suddenly, instead of first place, they're getting second place. And (laughs) you kind of have to wonder who got first place. DJ. Oh, yeah. um, That's, yeah, that's, it's it's actually kind of interesting to note. You know, we don't know when Black Mesa actually started messing with teleportation and, you know, portals and all that stuff. But when you get into the second half of Portal 2 and you find yourself in the old labs where you even see the trophy case, because um, I guess is I guess now's a good time to kind of get into Aperture itself, because Aperture turns out to be just as hilarious an entity as as all the little characters. And that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. for for a company that started as a manufacturer of shower curtains, um, <laughs> they had begun working on the portal gun well back in the late 40s early 50s um if you as you're going through those early test areas you'll notice icons on the wall of someone carrying this massive backpack like like this massive like huge hiking pack size thing and this two-handed weapon and they refer they give it a name it's the portal gun effectively but they give it a different name at that point and you're like wow they've been working on this thing then and we still haven't released it Lord, the longest beta <laughs> well and that's actually a comment from glados too was <laughs> that the test is successful we've we've exited beta what's it wasn't that one of the ones you found green was that the where was it from well still alive Oh, that's right. Yes, that now it's now still, we're out of beta and releasing on time. Releasing on time. That's mm-hmm. right. 
amazing song. Releasing on time being like years and years and years after the initial <laughs> startup of everything. Time is relative. Just, just time is relative. DJ. <laughs> <laughs> the enrichment center reminds you that the companion cube will never threaten to stab you, and in fact cannot speak. In the event that the companion cube does speak, the enrichment center urges you to disregard its advice. <laughs> She's such a friend. <laughs> She's totally looking out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. So we got the Black Mesa connection and the Half-Life connection. We got GLaDOS. We talked about Shell and the personality cores. Um, well, since we started talking a little bit about the history of Aperture, do we want to go into Cave Johnson and um, his plans for artificial intelligence? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Lead the way, mage. I feel like DJ might be more prepped for this. Okay. Um, Well, it was one of those things where uh, Cave Johnson, history of him, he he was basically a shower curtain salesman. Aperture, that's what they did initially, as I said before. They they manufactured uh, a revolutionary form of shower curtain. What it did specifically, I forget, but the, the... portal community is very detailed with this stuff. I think they sold it to, like, astronauts or something. Military, and that netted them such a huge thing that they're like, hey, let's get into science. And that's where you start to see the rise, and very quick, of Aperture at that point, where Cave uh, initially opens the company. They buy out a massive salt mine. That's why Aperture is so big. It's this massive salt mine underneath the Earth. Um... Bring um, astronauts, Olympians, war heroes, uh, all to come in and do these tests. And as you're listening to the different Cave Johnson lines throughout these, the pre-recorded messages that he puts in their research team not to do it, he doesn't care, he pays the bills. Um, you, you realize that he's just throwing money and science at the wall and sees what's just to see what sticks. Land so slight he can get his opportunist. Hands. Yeah, just a slight opportunist, just so he can get his hands on that next big thing that'll push uh, Aperture out there. And that's where we also start to see them lose some of the stuff. Play part of the facility and successfully test their unreleased propulsion gel or repulsion gel. Um, you mo- end up moving into the 1970s, where Cave Johnson is now hiring. Uh, Streets, mostly homeless people, for seventy bucks to come in and test the new propulsion gel that they're te- that they're doing, as well as uh, offering to you know um, open someone up, scoop out all the bad stuff, clean it up, put a bunch of science stuff in there, and they get an extra seventy bucks. Good deal. But uh, one of the, and again, the one character by his side the whole time as you're going through this is a character named Carolyn, uh, who happens to be married to science, as we, as we, um, well up into the 80s, we discover that Aperture has not only managed to successfully develop 
several technologies. They're still working on the portal gun, but they've managed to successfully develop uh, robotics because they're running out of test subjects, and have begun forcing employees to test as a mandatory portion of their workday. Um, uh, and that's, it's in this area we Sounds discover... Sounds like Gladys is not the only junkie when it comes to testing. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Yeah, that's, it's still pushing for that thing. And that's where we get the line um, that you played earlier uh, before the show started about him spending $70 million on space rocks, which is connected to it's connected to the portal gun itself, the portal technology. Um, but we, we find that he's slowly dying because, you know, he inhaled a bunch of moon dust and that is scientifically proven to be very fatal to humans. Actually, that's something I didn't know. I thought it was just like, Oh, I got some dust in my lungs. No, it's poisonous. Don't, don't go snorting moon rocks is what they're, what we're saying today. Uh, Oh, conversion. States Joe. that they he he overlooks the the fact that they should have been decades prior in trying to look into artificial intelligence. At that point, he decrees uh, over a recorded message, so it plays hundreds of times. That if they don't develop the Glados system before he dies. Carolyn is to take over the facility, and Carolyn is the one who is supposed to be put into the GLaDOS system. Um, and that takes us up to the events of the 80s and the 90s, and that brings us up to speed, where we then discover GLaDOS is Carolyn um, from, from Cave are the immortal women speech in regards to his decree that you know uh, AI should be focused on by the company at that point in time. Yeah, and yeah, then somewhere along the way is how they end up adding on the additional personality cores on top of whatever yes. base information they had from Carolyn. So Carolyn uh, is the base, basis for Gladys. Yes. yes. Yeah. Which explains kind of the session of testing and stuff like that. Which, it goes to prove how clever Carolyn as a character was, because mm-hmm. that entire time, like she, they woke GLaDOS up, and she basically wreaked havoc. Um, where the person at the Personality Core project came into play, because they realized that she was too smart. She'd been working for this company since the 40s. You know, someone who understands, the, and probably mirrors Cave Johnson's obsession with testing at that point. Um now stuck in an immortal computerized body that can control this death trap of a laboratory that they found themselves inside of. Um, so they in- initiate the, per- the, the personality core thing, but the entire time she's asleep. And I think this is like one of the most brilliant pieces of writing of the series so far, is she manages to trick them into waking her up by saying she's not going to kill anyone, but just wants to recreate the Schrodinger experiment and just needs... A little. <laughs> neurotoxin just a little neurotoxin and she can do this experiment <clears throat> so is well, it i mean you didn't ask for decaying radioactive isotope yeah you know i mean hindsight's yeah. 2020 don't give the ai neurotoxin i mean they installed the morality core it should have been fine also they <laughs> allegedly installed the intelligence dampening dampening sphere at some point I. so e. probably it I. should e. have been okay i.e wheatley <laughs> 
So is Gladys the one who ends up killing the entirety of the facility? Yes. Yes, except, on well, Bring Your Daughter to Work Day. Yeah, except for Bring Your Daughter to Work Day. Ratman, right? Or Rat? No, what's his face? Yes. Rat he, he manages to escape. Obviously Shell. Well, but Shell was yeah. a test subject, right? Wasn't she put into cryostasis? But all, all we know is that she was one of these daughters objects. brought to work that oh, day. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's we right. do find out in the Lab Rat comic that... Wasn't Ratman responsible for Shell? He went through the files of all of the test subjects that they had in... That's right. ...stasis or whatever, and, and decided to move Shell up to the top of the list. Because, if I remember, if I remember that's right, it was because she had... What, what was the, I don't know. I can't yeah, remember what word they used. But it was yeah, it was something like her results or her test results had something that he thought would be able to basically there was, win. Right. And there was basically a note on her file that said do not test. <laughs> AKA don't kill. In which case even her just being one of the random daughters brought to work that day ties into it because at that point Aperture, you know, as we saw, they were willing to test their their own employees when they ran out of homeless people willing to come in and for sixty bucks. Um, they, you know, they even say like, "Bring your daughter to work day is a great day to test their intelligence." Um, in which case, they're like, "Oh, oh, you're recruiting kids for test subjects now. This is wonderful. That's great, great." gruesome right so then part of the question is if if chell was one of the daughters that was brought to work that day then she somehow ended up in the other children end up in yeah i mean well that begs the question are the other children the other test subjects then right Probably. I mean, we have the ending of the co-op. There there is that ending of the co-op where they find the vault. Right. And And then if they couldn't find any other test subjects because they couldn't even hire people off the street, then those people must have come from somewhere. Black Mesa. Um, The outer colonies. Wait, no, different game. <laughs> Never mind. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. We're just a bunch of lab rats to her. I mean, plus, but also, if they were attaching all of these personality cores, and Wheatley was one of the personality cores that they developed to attach to her, and he was in make bad decisions. <laughs> attaching her, attaching Wheatley to Gladys. Pretty much directly resulted in her deciding to flood the. Well, but do we? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because I see what you're saying is you're making bad decisions. But I thought Wheatley was designed in order so that she would be constantly arguing with him so that she wouldn't have the ability to do all the stuff that she wanted to do. To distract her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He runs diversion? (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, well, I mean, technically, that's what the personality cubes were, or personality cores were there, or they were in order to prevent her from killing everyone. Like, I mean, uh, what is it? The morality cube or more? God, morality core. I keep going and call it a cube. 
the morality core was that was the entire point was to install an artificial sense of morality so that she wouldn't kill everybody. It didn't work really well, but um, it is also interesting because at the end of Portal One, the very first thing core you that you destroy is yeah. the morality core, right? Which I didn't really get that because what is it? Morality, curiosity, uh, anger was intelligence. Oh, right, sold? intelligence and anger. I think was anger the last one. I couldn't. I can't remember. Oh, the cake mix core. Cake mix. That's well. That's, um, that's the intelligence core. Pretty quick after you uh, incinerate the morality core, that she boots up the neurotoxin again. Mm-hmm. And that's like when her true personality comes out, because at that point it was just kind of deadpan. And then the moment you drop that thing in there, she just kind of goes like, "Oh, you know what that thing was? You just dropped into the emergency <laughs> incineration device." <laughs> Her voice, I love the way that they did the voice changes too, as you destroyed each of the cores. Like how you can you can feel in the game, you can feel her personality changing when you when you destroy different aspects of her restrictions, her restraining bolts, basically. Central core, morality core, curiosity core, cake core, anger core, Wheatley. Oh, Wheatley. I guess just to clarify for anyone who's not played the game, um, the, the reason the intelligence core keeps getting, we refer, it's referred to as the cake core. Each of the cores, they start spouting things off. Like the anger core is just gibberish. Or as we mentioned before, the space core just keeps going on and on and on about space. <laughs> mm-hmm. The intelligence core, because again, cake is a central theme to portal. it up and it starts talking rapidly at you and of course the gaming community being what it is uh, they slowed it down and it turns out that it is actually rattling off the recipe for the cake kinda it's including like maybe plutonium in there somewhere but it's still a really good black German cake I don't know but it's really good (laughs) and it has it has a single candle That lights up the figmentary room that it supposedly takes place in. It's the cat. It is the cat. Yeah. The cake, that is actually the best example way I've ever heard the cake explained. It is a lie, but it's not a lie. It is the cat. Thank you. You're welcome. Until you see said cake, it is either existing or not existing, or both. It's simultaneously... (laughs) Existing and not existing at the same yeah. time. Because you know, that's what simultaneous means. At the same time, but simultaneously at the same time. Right. Because, you know, reiterating the same thing over and over makes you sound smarter. Simultaneously <laughs> reiterating the same thing over and over <laughs> makes you sound twice as smart. Because <laughs> we're the smartest. We no, all have no, what the no. cake mixer no. would say. <laughs> there are, okay, so I'm looking Listen, up. I'm a perfect a moron. Okay. You're a weekly. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm looking up some of the personality cores. No, you're not. You're a sweetheart. 
But uh, some of the different cores, there's like a whole VR, Steam VR version for the lab. And there's like very heavy core, auction core, boring, hard-boiled core, calibration <laughs> core. I mean, it just goes on and on. The space core is the all best these, one. Yeah, space core, skeptical core. Core that's not a gateway to hell. <laughs> core. I mean, these are all things that are in the game. It's like, what the heck? I feel the fact that you need to say it's not that makes me not want to... That's what it says. It says not core that is not around. a gateway to hell. It's, it, it, it's funny because this was what makes Aperture even more of a terrifying enti- uh, facility or entity is that it seems that um, GLaDOS takes the personality cores that obviously are not weighing her down anymore and assigns them to random jobs. Like at one point in Portal 2, she owned with Wheatley. And basically says, um, it won't open. And she comes back later. She goes, I had a long chat with the AI that controls the main door. Jeez. Yeah. Wheatley was specifically like when she Wheatley was disengaged from her. Wheatley was assigned to maintain, oh, my God, the life support system. Oh, that's right. right. Is that why everybody's dead? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that's actually why. That's actually why you end up waking up in Portal 2 is because you're his next opportunity to try to work this facility back up. Okay. So are these all just different AIs or are they all like fractions of the same AI built originally off of Caroline? Um, so, so I actually have an answer to that one. Uh, personality cores are basically, they have unique personalities and behaviors, which then are capable of being incorporated into the, the central core. Um, but Mm -hmm. you have to be like, they have to physically be attached to it, right? They're all, they're all usually the, the, uh, the personality cores are all those little, they all look like little spheres. Um, and so you have to, um, that has to be physically or physically attached to the central core, which is the um, what we were talking about, the physical, you know, the upside down woman uh, figurine. Mm-hmm. That's where you have to attach it to. Uh, if she disengages those, that's also at the end of portal. When you start dropping the personality cores into the incinerators, um, you actually see GLaDOS kind of experience pain. But then she also starts kind of um, losing personality traits. So it's it's kind of a yes answer. Uh, Justin just found the snuggle core. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, I mean, yes, they, they are kind of like um, they are unique. But then at the same time, they are part of GLaDOS. Right. So it's it's kind of both. They can they can exist separate from her, but they are meant to augment her as a as the central AI. They're meant to be stored in part with her. Okay, so the way that I'm kind of relating to that is the red versus blue story. Yes. Yeah. Later seasons. Yeah. Spoiler alert. 
Well, yeah, it's been well, yes. out for quite a few years. No, 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 I know. But yeah, that that entire, the, the concept of the AI fragmentation, um, yes, that's very similar to to this this idea as well. Except these are physical spheres instead of the the AI construct, the digital AI constructs. It, and again, this is where I really wish we could confirm with Valve if the Lego Dimensions game is actually in canon with the Portal universe. Yeah, because there's um, wasn't there because s- at one point. Cave Johnson is becomes a personality core himself. Mm-hmm. Like this, you actually find a Cave Johnson personality core. Am I the only one that that was a little surreal for? Like it was a little, I don't know, not weird. It, it was just surprising that that was the you know the Lego franchise's choice for that they they've been very mainstream. Um, it just it just seemed kind of a cool. Um, not so obvious choice for them to make an, a Lego game out of. And they stayed re- almost like religiously true to to the it, to all of the backstory because there is actually a sub level in Lego Dimensions where you have to go kill a room full of mantis men. Um, yeah, it's oh almost like someone at at the you know whoever developed the game was a very big Portal fan. What? Oh, that's right. I just was reading something on the core going going back to the conversation about the personalities of the cores. Um, it is that is important, an important question, because you have a concept of what's called a corrupted core. Um, and so basically what happens is, you know, over time, hardware fails. Right. So you have issues there, technical difficulties. Um, if the central AI basically detects what's called a corrupted core, what it would identify as a corrupted core, that's when it would be basically subject to disposal, uh, which is where you have the incineration chute uh, that you use in the end of portal to defeat GLaDOS. But if the corrupted core is the central core, which is GLaDOS or Caroline, the um, it, it can't, it, it's got a fail safe. It can't dispose itself so what it does is it finds a substitute core and then brings the core into a, um, a, a receptacle in which it initiates a core transfer. However, the thing is, once the substitute core is found, both cores have to agree. So both cores must agree or disagree to the core transfer procedure. Um and basically, the as if they if they agree if one agrees but the other disagrees, they can't do the transfer because it's called a stalemate resolution associate. <laughs> basically, is been brought in, and you have to press the stalemate resolution button, which will basically override the entire AI argument and initiate the transfer process. Um, this is important because in Portal 2, this is actually what you do to get Wheatley, I think, out, right? You you basically bring corrupted cores to attach to Wheatley, and then that makes him corrupt, and then you have to you basically trick him into doing a core transfer procedure, which kicks him out of the, the primary uh, control node. Uh, interesting little trivia fact there are all those corrupted cores that are in Portal 2 are voiced by Nolan North, one of which is the Space Sphere. 
I mean, I will point out that as far as court corruption goes, where that's corrupted, and maybe it's more about the shell that the core is installed in, the actual mm-hmm. mainframe, because once Gladys is out of that, she's a lot... I mean, part of it is because she's a potato and she doesn't have the power to really be right. mean, but she's a lot nicer and once Wheatley is in it, he's a lot more crazy and he becomes a lot more crazy like right away as soon as he's installed in it. Right. And I think that's I think that's because, you know, like you were saying, the the power requirements. Because I think DJ was mentioned DJ mentioned it when we first started talking about the potato. Her um particular uh, or maybe it was you, Mage. I can't remember honestly. Uh, it was one of the the subroutines. It required too much power for the potato to to operate, which is why she became nicer. Right. Uh, I think DJ mentioned that, but yeah, she she has some struggles with that. <laughs> but um, once so he- once we leave is installed. I mean, right. the whole deal with Wheatley was that he said that he was going to to free you once you kicked out Gladys and he But then he got addicted to testing. To set you up and then he's about to he's sending you up the elevator and then starts talking to himself and kind of realizes no wait, I don't really want to do that and brings the elevator back down and throws you down it. Yeah, that's when that's- he starts trying to bribe you to jump down the I think isn't that isn't that the whole chat about no just jump down just jump down. You want to farm? I'm not. No, 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 no. That that's that's much earlier. Is that earlier? Okay, that's earlier. No, um, he basically completely goes like he honestly thinks that you're in it with in on whatever plot is against him with. Oh, he goes full paranoia. And. Also on the subject of cores, I mean, Gladys necessarily isn't, I don't know how to, like, Gladys equals Caroline, but Caroline isn't necessarily Gladys. Gladys. Right. Um, even outside of all of the additional personality core add-ons. Um, I mean, at the end of Portal 2, when frame she 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 thanks you for for helping her to identify this part of her called caroline so that she can find it in her subroutines and delete caroline um hmm. equal that's interesting I mean, she, might have is... she was back in her main huh. i mean caroline would be the basis of it but once you are able to fragment off those different personalities, you wouldn't necessarily be the original anymore. You would have aspects of the original, but you would be, you might consider yourself more or greater than the original. If so it yeah. makes sense that she would want to get rid of it. I mean, if, if those other personality cores are necessarily somewhere part of the original whatever made up Caroline. Always a little bit of Wheatley in it. Everybody's got a little Wheatley in them. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Laura Bailey's one of my favorites. Oh, Laura Bailey. 
Blue just posted in our little our little chat that Laura Bailey oh, voiced yes. one of the cores. If you don't know who that um, is, go and watch that. Uh, what is it called? It's the D and D game. Role. Yeah, that one. She's awesome. Yes. I think she did in. Um, was it in the uh, Lego Dimensions yeah, thing that I she did that? Uh, I, it says the lab introduced several new personality constructs uh, that are sent to the player for calibration, and they are voiced by Laura Bailey, Steve Bloom, Phil Lamar, Nolan North, Justin Roiland, Pendleton Ward, and Wally Wingert. And that's ah, so it would have been in the virtual reality. Is that the um, VR? Oh, that's the VR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, VR. Yeah, sorry. The, the VR. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some of the quotes from the personality course are just really funny. Do we know what the storyline of that VR thing was? Uh, let me see. It is a very, it's the virtual reality assistant and education core was introduced. Uh, no, I don't. Apparently it's something about calibrating the personality cores to be created, I think. Uh, I think that's what it is, yeah. Well, I'm always in the middle of some calibrations. <laughs> I got that. I got that. Oh, did you? I, I have no Yay. idea what it means, but I know that it's significant. Wow. <laughs> I know it's from. I know it's. I know from, what it's from. Yeah. <laughs> Justin needs to go play Portal, and you need to go play some Mass Effect. That's oh, all I'm saying. Oh my god! Don't you get on the bandwagon with Mage? All right. Uh, what else do we have? Anything? I think that kind of gives a good basic, random, topic-filled conversation about Portal. Uh, there was one more. Okay. Actually, there was one more element to the game that I wanted to at least bring up. Okay. Um, and it, it, I guess it could be considered kind of like I don't want to even call it like a third Portal game, but it was honestly something that can, uh, Valve really did look at the 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 fan base that portal had built and they gave everyone the one thing that they had wanted which was the ability to create their own puzzles so after peer review which was the second co-op expansion they released the perpetual testing initiative which involves shell it doesn't involve glados it does not involve wheatley it doesn't involve any of the known characters it only involves uh cave prime where it takes place in an alternate universe where Cave Johnson never died, the GLaDOS system was never initiated, but they did discover that because they were bankrupt, that there were other dimensions, labs in them. And so to save a buck, he was hiring you to design tests, uh, test labs, go to that dimension, test them, and then come back. Um... If anyone really enjoys the Cave Johnson quotes from Portal 2, go look up the quotes from Perpetual Testing Initiative, because it's K- it's J.K. Simmons basically being 15 different types of Cave Johnsons. Oh um, for the Express, that the have, the has the sole Express of finding a mo- dimension made of infinite money Upon which, once you find it, uh, you're then told to continue testing. Because they now have a budget for testing again. 
been looking for that for a while. And yeah, <laughs> and it was a really neat way to kind of bring a to, to give basically what was a fan requested uh, build your own tests, like build your own puzzles, build your own portals. Like I'm going to build this insane thing, send it over to my friend. Well, they could have just given it like here it is. But no, they actually built it into the narrative universe for Portal, and it was really, really funny to do so, because it actually expands the universe a little bit further out from the core storyline. That's really cool, actually. But they, okay, so I see with the, yeah, the money dimension being the goal. And then, obviously, if you guys like the story of Portal, we I would really recommend the Lab Rat comic, if you haven't read that. Uh, it's really short, but really actually pretty good. Um, trying to think, are there, are there any other uh, comics or anything like that outside of video games for Portal? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. At least. Oh. Fair enough. I mean the, the Lego expansion. The Lego right. expansion, that's the, it. The port or Lego dimensions. <laughs> Alright. Well I think I think we managed to pretty much touch on the most of the major points within the within the series. Um you guys want to jump into some shout outs? Real quick. Do it. Mage, you want to take us, lead us? What do we got? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I just wanted to give a shout out to Demo for always being there in the, in the Discord chat to remind us that Gladys is the victim in this series <laughs> and you as the player are just a murderer. <laughs> With no cake. <laughs> Murderers don't deserve cake. Okay. <laughs> DJ. God. He just wants to burn this mother down, doesn't he, mate? Just that. I'm going to go bag a, buy a bag of lemons and we're just going to burn it to the ground. That's what we're um, oh, no, um, only shout out. I, I Actually, a uh, uh, shout out I have is for my. Uh, I guess kind of like my destiny plan that we've been expanding safe gamers. Um, uh, we're a multi-game community at this point. We have started partnering with other uh, communities. Uh, Focus Fire Chat being one of them. Uh, Omnic Lab, if anyone's familiar with that from the game Overwatch uh, for o- the Overwatch game. Uh, basically, Safe Gamers is committed to creating a very safe, educational, and, and just fun environment for everyone to gather together and play. And start with Destiny, and it's starting to clearly expand outward, and you know, kind of kind of happy and proud of everything, and we're all moving to Discord. So, mm-hmm. while there's the Discord chat for Focus Fire, there's a Discord chat for Safe Gamers, and from there, I'm sure you can fall down the rabbit hole and mm-hmm. find the other groups mm-hmm. as well. Rooms upon rooms upon rooms. Portals upon portals. <laughs> And green, what, yep. green, what about you? Um, mine is just a quick announcement that if for uh, we're going to start our recap of the first section of Dragons of Autumn Twilight. We're doing chapters one through nine. And for 
all you future people. Hello, future people. Uh, this is for April 6, 2017. So if you're in the future listening to this, too, you're too late. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you're in our Discord chat, you could totally join us in like discussing this awesome book can, about can I be like, a future D&D person? characters. You no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, failed future person. What is, what is your shout out? <laughs> shout out to uh being done talking about this game because it makes everyone super snarky at Justin. <laughs> Like for two or three hours. Let's be honest. I did nothing. It's not just the game. <laughs> okay. True. Um, <laughs> true. Uh, big shout out. Big shout out to uh, DJ and Mage for for joining us. Um, just like uh, DJ was talking about, definitely uh, check out uh, Safe Gamers. Uh, big shout out to them. And uh, shout out to my normal crew, uh, DOD Shadow White crew. And how about to Blue and Green? Yeah. Yeah. Blue and Green. Blue for making sure I get places on time. And Green for making sure I act right once I'm there. I was wondering if you were going to give me grief for that. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, big again, big thank you, uh, DJ and Mage. We'd really appreciate having you guys on. Um, mm-hmm. Our next topic, like we said at the beginning of this episode, is going to be over D&D, specifically over the Forgotten Realms aspect of that. Uh, if you have any questions or if you you know want to talk about some of your favorite moments with Forgotten Realms, please be sure to email us. I'm sure there are some questions out there, so we would really appreciate uh, really appreciate getting some emails on that because we're always happy to talk about it. It also helps us in the chat because with topics such as the this next one, it's so vast that sometimes it's kind of difficult to know what exactly people are wanting to know about. So um, yeah, that's really kind of kind of it. So let's run through the outro here and then we'll stick around for the the after show with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streams of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus chat links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com Thank you again, Mage and DJ, for jumping into the chat. We really appreciate having you both, and I'll be sure to get links to both of your sites in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast for our team, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback over on iTunes. Remember that we try to stream a recap of the month-long Extra Lore Conversations the first Wednesday of each month, but if we do have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account, at FocusFireChat. Also, be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. <laughs> <laughs>